tells us that if you're not happy, you can just change your job and your relationship, start a hobby, have a baby, get a puppy or five. We are constantly facing change in the pursuit of happiness. And yet, deep down, we resist it so much because nobody teaches us how to navigate transitions. I am here to change that. Join me and my guests every week to find the inspiration and actionable steps to dive into your next great chapter. Let's write it together. Welcome, I'm Olga Nadal and you are listening to your next great chapter, the podcast to master life transitions with ease and courage. And today's show is sponsored by Divorce for Love. For those of you new to the show, I am the founder of Divorce for Love, where I educate, inspire and coach those going through possibly one of the most challenging transitions you may face in your life. If you are thinking about divorce or have started the process and are feeling lost, go and watch the masterclass I made for you on the five secrets you must know about divorce. These five secrets can save you a ton of money and sleepless nights. The link is in the notes, so head over there right after today's show. Hello, everybody. Today, I have a very special guest, and her name is Maitre Meliana. She's the author of Brown Skin Girl, and she's going to tell us the story of transformation of overcoming the obstacles after she came to the United States. So everybody, please welcome Maitre and please go ahead and tell us what's your transformation story. Great. Well, thank you so much for having me here, Olga. It's just great to connect with you and meet you. I've had quite transformation story. And actually, as you said, I've had several chapters of my life. But when I first came to the US, I was with my family. I was 16. And it was a big culture shock. And I uh, fell in love with American freedom. I didn't have that kind of freedom in India growing up. I mean, of course, I went to school, but just the options in terms of career were limited. And certainly in terms of relationships, very limited. I was expected to have an arranged marriage. <laughs> mm-hmm. And I knew from the time I was six, somehow, that I would not have an arranged marriage. It wasn't an option. To it start. was not an option. Oh. It was not even presented to me as an option. <laughs> but at six years of age, you said, I'm going to make it an option. <laughs> I just knew. It was not even, I was like, I'm not going to have this. I just knew. And I didn't know how it would all work out. But anyway, so I did my undergraduate and then went on to graduate school. And I was studying music. I'm a pianist and I play the piano. So I, that was what I was doing. And I fell in love. <laughs> I fell in love with a man who was a fellow student. And I had to keep this all very secret from my family because I knew they would be upset. But I was in graduate school. I was an assistantship. I was making my own living. I was paying my own way through school. So to me, graduate school represented, I'm going to take freedom with both hands. But my family found out. And when they did, I was visiting them in their home and there was a huge family intervention. So family came in, flew in from different parts of the country and were trying to talk to me and they were trying to talk me into an arranged marriage. And then my mother said, well, you're going to go back to India. And if you still like him for three months, then we'll let you go. Then you can be with him. So I struggled with that, but I was like, okay, well, if they'll allow that, that would be great. That way I could have both my family and be with the person I loved. So once we arrived there, she said, you're never returning. Oh, so the plan was to keep you in India and not coming back. Right. Oh my goodness. Okay. Right. So they 
essentially they took away my passport, my green card, my wallet, my address book. And this was in the 80s. So there was no internet. And I was essentially placed under house arrest in my grandparents' home. It was a four-room home. And there's no organizations in India at the time that I could reach out to. And also as an, in India, as an unmarried woman at that time, I had no rights. Like even if I thought of going to the police, they would bring me right back to my family and saying, take care of your daughter. Do what you need to with her. That It's not ours. So it's a very different cultural context. So it was very, very hard for me. I mean, I came close to, I contemplated suicide. It was devastating. And no mail, no phone, so no contact, certainly with the U.S. And I was there for a year. And after a year, they let me out. And I decided, okay, I'll have to find a way to make a living in India because I didn't have my passport. So I studied software, got a job. And all the time, my plan was to escape. And I did escape. It took me another two years, but I did escape back to the U.S. and just continued my education, stopped contact with my family. And, but I was still very traumatized. It's like I was still very shut down. It was hard for me to feel. I couldn't play the piano because I literally couldn't feel music like in my body the way I used to. And I had no idea about therapy. I had no idea about healing. I just thought, okay, well, this is life and I have to make the best of it. So I studied software, which is so not what a musician studies. <laughs> the contrast. Right. But it was a way to make a living. Mm. It was a way to just to survive. And I think that's what I was doing. I was just finding my way and I hadn't dealt with all the emotional stuff. I ended up marrying an Indian man. I was not in love, but I think he, to me, he was safety and security Mm -hmm. And as well as acceptability to my family, because once I married him, then they were accepting of me that I now had acceptable status as a woman, right? And to an Indian man, not to an American man. So Because um, ultimately they wanted you to be married. It didn't matter. But to an, but to an Indian man. Indian man, okay. So you fulfilled yeah. the requirement. Okay. Right. I don't even know what to call that period of time. It was about 15 years of just going along and giving up my voice, giving up my power, going along with his decisions. And he was very authoritative. So it was his decisions and I didn't have a voice in my marriage, even though I was earning, even though I was a full-on professional. And then it became very more emotionally and verbally abusive where, you know, there were just lots of moves every year without my wanting to move, just moving, keeping me from friends and not allowing me to travel, even for like a retreat or a course, just really restricting my freedom. And it finally became, I started standing up to him at one point. And then once I stood up to him, he got violent. And to me, that was the wake up call. That's the point I knew something was wrong with me. And I decided after a few months of struggling with the decision, because again, coming from India, there's a lot of taboo around being divorced. And I held that shame. I held that guilt. I held that like I'm leaving the tribe. I'm, you know, not good Indian woman, <laughs> mm -hmm. right? So I ended up going back to school to become a psychotherapist. Another chapter. Right. <laughs> and that was one of the best decisions I've made in my life because it was not just, the school is not just studying, but doing my own healing. 
And that was a very, very powerful transformational healing time because I got to process the trauma. I got to, you know, really question my culture. What is sort of this dogma and rules versus person's happiness, especially a woman's happiness. And I've been a psychotherapist since 2006. And since then, my work has now evolved. So I now help women find their voice, come into their power, speak their truth, and find their purpose and connect with the divine feminine. So it's sort of come full circle where I'm now helping women where I was do what I didn't know to do at the time. Which isn't it beautiful? It's, it is, as you say, you're completing the circle of the wounded healer that is able now to heal other people because you understand their pain, you learn how to handle it, and you know that there is a way out. I wanted to ask you, so now for women that come to you and say, I want to find my voice, and it seems like an easy thing to do consciously, but how do we get deep down into the subconscious that is stopping us from speaking up our truth? Yeah. So I work with the body and with sound. And when you say voice, there's literally voice. It's a sound, right? So I work with just the beliefs first. That's really important. What does a woman believe about her voice? How did she grow up? What did her family, her culture, her religion tell her? That's, that's really important for people to know. And then I actually work with the physical voice, her physical voice, as well as her body. And I've created this whole modality where I use sound and psychology and story and body movement and dance to work with the body, to work with a woman helping her find her voice. I've tried to explain to some of my clients about the need of somatic release, because like we said, we are dealing with the conscious part, but also the subconscious. And a lot of time, our beliefs are stuck in the body. Adding up the sound to it, it's like you just got the whole enchilada and you're able right. to, I suppose you're able to work way faster through the- Incredibly faster. What would take years now just takes like three to six months. That's amazing. Yeah. So when is. women come to you, they may be in situations where they're completely stuck. They cannot speak their truth. They don't even know what the truth is. And exactly. you're able to unravel it from their body. Yeah. yeah. That's amazing. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It is honestly, it has just blown my mind. You know, every time I'm still amazed at the power of sound. What kind of sound healing do you do? Is it bowls or? I do bowls. I also channel on the piano and I use other instruments like drums and other, I have an Indian instrument. So I have a whole array of instruments, but if it's particularly to the voice, I work with voice, but I work with all of it. And I tune in to see what works for each woman. You know, it's not like a one size fits all because we all are unique and we respond differently. So I'm always seeing what works for a woman and what she responds to and what she's able to sort of step into. Are you seeing a pattern in women in our society? What keeps us silent? Patriarchy. Which you will describe as? Patriarchy is where most of the whole world, like over 90 to 95% of the world, thinks about life and themselves from a patriarch, from the masculine concept where the male is superior to the the female and the male masculine is more important and more valuable than the feminine. And that is a systemic issue. So even though I work with trauma, patriarchy is the cause of trauma because patriarchy is power over. Mm -hmm. And it's not about the heart. It's about 
owning, possessing, claiming, violating, at whatever cost. It is about power, but it is not about the heart. And so that is a systemic problem across cultures, across socioeconomic status, across religion. All the violence that is being enacted out in the world, whether it's against women, whether it's against people of color, whether it's against the environment, all of these have the underlying cause. So people are trying to attack each one, but really it's, I think we are being called at this time to shift this whole idea of the masculine as superior to the feminine. The feminine is love. The feminine is connectedness. The feminine is caring. The feminine comes from the heart. The feminine is intuitive. The feminine is about relationship. And it's not about being separate from yourself or separate from your body or separate from your spirit or separate from each other as communities or cultures. And it's not about being separate from the earth, that we are part of everything. And that's a very different mindset from the masculine or the patriarchy, which is I'm going to own, I'm going to conquer, I'm going to possess, I'm going to have. And when that greed for power grows and builds, then it turns into this violence, it turns into judgment of others, it turns into I'm better than you, right? I mean, it's not about quality. Its aim is to be on top, it's to be whatever it is, whether it's money or color or gender or sexuality, but the feminine speaks for we are all equal. There is no one human being who is superior to another. So then how do you equip your women to go back to that environment? Because once they work with you, they healed, they get empowered, they are able to speak the truth, but then they're going back to that patriarchy that we have. I mean, there is no denying it. Maybe it's dismantling it now, but we're still in that environment. So it's almost like sending a healed person back into a toxic environment. Right. How do you make sure that they do not crawl back to the old ways? Right. They come out very different because they connect with their feminine self. I don't know if you've heard of the concept of the true self, but the feminine self is an empowered female self. And it's a state of being within her. Like, you know, she might come in, a woman might come in, she might have played the corporate game thinking, okay, I have to be like a man, I have to be strategic, you know, she's got that hard alpha kind of push. Or it might be a woman who's submissive, small, silent, like I was, right? In giving up myself, giving up herself for whether it's a relationship or the society of, you know, it's like she's not. So these are always the patriarchy plays out for women internally. But I take them through a process, and this is a six-month process. I take them through a process where they connect with their divine, with their feminine self, and also connect with the divine feminine. And that's another piece. The spirit has been left out of the conversation. That's another separation. So it is essential that the, a woman connect with these vast resources that are available to her. So it's not just about her but she's connected to the web I was speaking about. And so she's not doing it alone, which is what a lot of women, you know, that becomes that male, I have to do it, I have to do it, I have to do it. No, the woman can relax. And that's what a woman's body naturally does to relax, to open, to receive, to go deep, to intuit, to connect with these deep, powerful, sacred energies that are both within her and her sisters and Mother Earth. Which is mind-blowing because we have been indoctrinated into believing that 
you have to hustle, you have to work hard. Like you said, that's the masculine element because they cannot create in the way that we can create. And I always say, if you've had a child, I was pregnant, I wasn't actually doing anything. I wasn't waking up every morning saying, I am going to make a kidney today and tomorrow I need to figure out how to make. No, it was growing inside of me. So when I try to explain the difference between how women create and men create, if you do not want to understand that there is equality, we should all be treated equally, but there is a very remarkable difference on how we can achieve goals and objectives. And yes, the woman having placed in the same role as the man is just keeping us stuck in, in a position exactly. where we're not even moving forward. And I guess in your work, you also find a lot of women who are physically being debilitated by trying to run the masculine energy, correct? I mean, there are all kinds. I mean, every woman has patriarchy conditioning. A woman can be very powerful and successful. I work with very high-placed corporate women and they've come with this, the issue is always the same. They hit the ceiling, they hit this wall where they keep trying to play the patriarchal and masculine game, but they're not happy. They're dissatisfied, they're empty, they feel frustrated, they feel like they're not heard, their voice is not heard, their truth is not heard. And what their inner knowing as a woman is different from how they might be acting and presenting in the world outside. So that discrepancy is a huge cause for inner conflict. Women don't even know what the feminine self is. You know, and that's the other piece. Feminine has a bad rap. Feminine is considered weak, girly, somebody who's, you know, but that's not the real meaning of feminine. In the West, there's the concept of the feminist who's strong, but many feminists may not be in touch with their feminine self. The feminine self is a full-bodied, full wholeness of being all that a woman is and not cutting anything out, keeping anything quiet, owning all of it. And a lot of women have not been given permission. And your work allows them to get that yes. permission to be feminine, which right. you also mentioned at the beginning, trauma. So we are dealing in many cases with women who have to deal with the social conditioning, which we are talking, it's already putting us in a bit of a disadvantage. And then on top of that, they deal with trauma. Right. which is a double whammy. How can those women find the strength and the connection with their feminine when they've suffered through all this added right. stress? Right. right. Well, first of all, you know, it's like if a woman is able to, and if there are resources around her, and I know there are many women in different cultures in the world who may not have access. Mm. So that's a huge piece. There's no access. Just like I didn't even know what therapy was. See, I didn't even have access to the concepts, the awareness of what was happening for me and what was possible. So if a woman has access to learn as much as she can and to find, absolutely find some support, even if it's as simple as a support group online, it doesn't have to cost money. Even if it's reading up about what are a woman's rights, you know, what does an abusive relationship look like? You know, and to learn, and I think it's important for her to, to find support because without that support, it's very hard for a woman. So whether it's a counselor, whether it's an organization that's providing some free or low-cost healing work, or even just talk, a space to talk, even a space to talk, you know, and that's how it starts. We start with the baby steps. It's not about taking someone, you know, from zero to a hundred in a, even a year. But each step a woman has to choose to take. And no one can take that step other than her, however small it is. Even if it's thinking a thought 
of this isn't right for me, you see? So she needs to find that place where it's within her and then with support and help become more aware, learn what's possible. That space of support, that space of listening, that space of somebody who cares about her well-being, maybe even more than how anybody has for her, that's the feminine. It's a nurturing, compassionate space. And support sometimes can come in very unexpected ways. I actually believe that women who have empowered themselves feel that they have a duty and pay back to other women. So even if you can't afford professional help, even if you do not have a network that will support you, try and find inspiration in other women who have done it and reach out to them. And I think that today we live in this wonderful world of connectivity where a complete stranger could become your mentor and they may not need anything in exchange. They may be happy to say, hey, I was in your shoes once and I know that all that you need is, like you said, share your story, awareness. I think that very often we don't even realize that we have a problem until somebody else tells us this is not acceptable. And because in many cases, especially in women who've been traumatized, their reality has been distorted to the point where they don't know what is acceptable and what isn't. So sometimes you just need that extra person who is, may have to be completely out of your circle of your culture to say, sister, no. If it doesn't feel right, it is not right. So sometimes I suggest to people just be proactive. Like you said, it's a choice. You have to choose a different life. And then almost the universe will open up and give you possibilities. One of the things that I also wanted to ask you was, we're talking about how patriarchy is part of the problem. How can we assist our men in letting us be empowered, speak up, be protected? Because I know that for them, it doesn't work either. I mean, for some, it works and they like this system. But I think that there's also... The same as I'm seeing the women rising movement, I'm seeing the men rising movement where they really want to help us elevate our mission. So how can we help them? How can we teach them? That's a great question. And absolutely to everything that you said before, that there is help available in so many ways. I think for men, men also have to do this work. All the movements that we're in are not just about women. You know, women empowering is for men to discover their own feminine side. And there may be a lot of men who go, whoa, I'm not, I, don't, I don't want that. Mm -hmm. That's not going to make me a man. <laughs> I'm not going to go there. <laughs> It'll be very triggering for them. Right. But let's see what that means. What does it mean? So men have a, their conditioning is they were, most men are taught not to connect with their feelings, their emotions. So they have received the opposite message of be strong no matter what. And so all of that, just even connecting with themselves emotionally is a huge growth process for them, right? So they can feel, they can have a space where they can actually feel and be okay and safe to feel. So that alone, I think is huge. And then I think encouragement for them to discover their heart. And there are many men who, I work with men and there's a deep pain and a grief and not being allowed to really come and live from the heart, that they have also sort of, you know, the business line is, or, you know, however they're brought up, but there's a certain role and way they're expected to show up. But the beautiful thing about this journey is they inside, whether or not they know it, there's a deep hunger and longing 
to know their feelings, to be in their heart, to not be powerful all the time. Can they just be vulnerable when they want to be, right? Again, for them, it's an expansion. It's an expansion. And all of this is an expansion of each of us as human beings. It's not that we change who we are, but we grow into all that we are. And for me, my biggest hope is on all the new generation of women who through your work, my work, and just the general awareness that is going on, we are raising the new generation. And I personally, I'm making it my point to make sure that my children are balanced in their energies. Yes, one is a boy, one is a girl, but they both have masculine and feminine energy that I'm going to nurture, that I'm going to show them the skills to relate with that. And for me, the patriarchy system stops with me in my family. I'll try and expand outside, but at least within the confines of my home, that does not work. And I think that a lot of women are taking that role. And once they finish their work and we connect to our feminine, to our goddess, to our divine spirit, then we're able to pass it on. So we're right now in that sort of metamorphosis where, you know, things are, and we're sick in the current state of the world. But I do have hope that we are channeling that energy and that equality is going to become a reality, especially as well with other countries, because you have had this opportunity to see America and India. And what would you say right now? It's, there's still a huge difference between the countries. So you think that we're getting closer? There's still a huge difference. It depends on, you know, a woman's access and resources there, because there, there's a much wider range of the wealthy and the poor and you know, and India is so ancient Mm. and it's a lot of that is tied up in the religion and tradition, you know, so there's a lot of pressure. It depends on the woman's socioeconomic status, her education, her awareness, what is available to her. And then there, you know, in the cities, there are women who are very much like women here. So there's a whole range and, you know, they're dealing with different issues than in the West. The West has started the journey earlier. India started a few decades after. So it will catch up. Wow. You have quite the story. And I would like to ask you, for all the women listening to us, and men who are in a transition time, they are trying to break away from old habits and moving into new reality. Through your experience and all the women that you have helped, men and women, what would you say is your one piece of advice in general? I know that then we have to work one-on-one, but in general, when people are in that sort of, shall I jump, shall I not? What would you say to them? Choose yourself. Oh, that's beautiful. I like that. Choose yourself. Good one. Um, one last question for you before we finish is, what do you see in your next great chapter? Well, I am teaching women's group. I want to just expand upon that. I want to be teaching more larger groups. And it's just an evolution. I'm also expanding the work and then really stepping into the whole, my whole, I'm also a channel. So I channel divine feminine beings. So bringing that very much into the the psyche or the what's possible for people because there's often a tendency to think again it's that disconnection from spirit but to bring that into the equation for healing and the power of spirit to heal so that is my next chapter that's beautiful what do you think is the next great chapter for our planet what's going on now what do you think that you're we're heading i think we're headed towards love That's and connection awesome. I hope that's been channeled to you. So it's coming <laughs> from the other realms and it is going to be true. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. 
well, this... it might take us a while to get there, but I think yeah, that's where we're headed. We got time. If not our generation, then the next one <laughs> will get there. Well, this has been a beautiful conversation. And if my people want to find you, what's the best place? We're going to put it on the show notes, but if they want to just stop this podcast and go there, where can they find you? Great. They can go to my website or they, they can go to my Instagram page. My website is mytraemeliana.com. That's M-Y-T-R-A-E-M-E-L-I-A-N-A.com. And that's the same handle for my Instagram. Yeah. I'd love to connect with your listeners. And Thank you so much for having me. It's been just an absolute joy to speak with you. Same. And hopefully we'll get together in a women's circle. I think that's the way for us to keep evolving. It's getting women together, share our wisdom, and yeah, elevate the world. So thank you. Yeah. Thank you so much. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you for listening. Remember to subscribe and review my podcast because I love hearing from you. You can also follow me on Instagram at Divorce for Love and join our Facebook group in the show notes.